Hey everyone, and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. I'm your host, Max Bowen. It was during 2020 that Mark Bernal began working with various illustrators, creating the first pages of lesser-known comics. Since then, it's grown to a 14-person company with writers and artists from around the world. In this episode, Bernal and writer-illustrator Ray Garza talk about the origins of LKC and how it's grown so much over just two years. Garza shares the launch of his own title, Tank McGregor, one of my personal favorites, a comedic sci-fi action title with one of the most unique characters I've ever encountered. We also look at the world of indie comics and how things have changed, allowing more creators to pursue their dreams. So let's start with just the beginning of Lesser Known Comics. How did this whole thing get started? Uh, it was, you know, quarantine. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, you're, you're at home and you're reevaluating your life decisions. And um, they, um, I talked to my wife. I was always into, you know, playing music and other sort of creative endeavors. And I, I said I wanted to start um, just making a comic book myself, you know. Um, and I started working with three concept artists to do uh, concept art and fell in love with all three of them. And, um, so I was like, Oh, I guess we're gonna have to make three stories that kind of like intersect. Um, and we started posting their, everything they were working on, on Instagram. And they just started attracting, you know, more and more followers and then more and more, um, uh, comic creators who said, Oh, can I make a comic with you guys? You know? And, um, you know, I, I, self-admittedly I got in over my head you know next thing I know I like look up and we got 14 plus creators we're working with and um and then um you know not to mention the ones that are doing variant covers or doing you know this that and the other thing for us and then support staff that it takes to you know kind of help with that everything from graphic design to web design to you know editing and all that stuff so um I joke because my wife is like, I gave you permission to make a comic, not a comic book company, you know, and, uh, and Ray's been one of the most recent ones. Uh, and, uh, just, just an amazing, amazing creator. Um, and, uh, uh, it, I, we're just so lucky to have him. I said you could do Thank one you. comic, <laughs> not do a whole company, but, but like, was that ever in like your thinking? Like when you started to do just, uh, just like uh, the one title, like, Hey, maybe it could do like a company someday if this gets better. You know, not really. I, I, um, you know, I still play music, you know, occasionally, but it's usually just like, um, I have friends that do it professionally and, and, but we'll get together and we'll record songs together and, you know, maybe play like a show or something, but it's not something that, that I had considered as a, you know, professional endeavor, but, um, one of our initial creators, uh, Katie Drinkwine, um, she told me what it's kind of like out there for artists, you know, and, um, and, you know, she, she's also like an avid video gamer and she's like, what am I going to bust my ass to like work for a company like, you know, Blizzard and you hear the horror stories coming from there. Right. So like, what's, what's the pinnacle for me? And, and that discussion kind of, you know, talked about, you know, um, led us to kind of create a mission statement with the input of, you know, our, our original, you know, artists and everything, you know, that they put in that mission statement was about like kind of creating a climate where um, 
you know, treat artists like humans and, you know, don't breathe down their neck on deadlines and, you know, give them the creative flexibility to do the things that they want to do. Um, and uh, we kind of turned into a, you know, half startup, half hippie commune. You know, it's kind of best described. <laughs> half startup, half hippie commune. I like the description. Yeah. Reading, actually reading like about the company, I did see that you really put a lot of emphasis on things like, you know, um, uh, the work-life balance, creative freedom. What do you say that the overall environment is with the industry as a whole? Well, you know, I think, um, you know, something like Tank McGregor is, is, is probably a, good example for what i have envisioned um ray it doesn't it, it wouldn't surprise me a year from now that somebody drives a dump truck full of money up to ray's house and says hey bring this book somewhere else you know and we want to be an incubator where somebody comes they get started they you know do their thing um we all learn from each other and you know ray goes and takes that property to go make you know a bajillion dollars on a bunch of other endeavors and then he comes back and makes something new with us you know because he's like hey i like those guys they did well by me and you know that's what you know uh if i'm going to start something again from scratch this is where i would you know probably do that you know um and so we don't have huge ambitions to be you know some big you know monolith in the industry um, more of just like a place that, um, uh, you know, for, for, for people to come and be a part of, you know, kind of as, as long as they like, um, or, um, you know, to whatever degree that their, their lifestyle accommodates, you know, whether they're a full-time, uh, comic book creator, or if they have, you know, a day job and they're, and they're doing this, you know, they're really talented, but they're doing this in their spare time. How'd you go about meeting like the other members of the other uh, team? Because looking at their backgrounds, like you've got a very global group here. Uh, a lot of them, you know, reached out to me. Uh, you know, the, the first in international person was Franco. He was one of the original concept artists. You know, just met him on a, um, like a, a freelance art, you know, um, you know, to, to, to find artists to hire. Um, and then, Abel Garcia, uh, he's from Spain. He, um, he, he, he's a sweetheart. He actually did, um, uh, when we had like two followers, you know, on social media, he's like, Oh, like, I'll help you out. I'll make this sketch for you, you know, and hopefully drive some followers over to your, your account. And, and, um, and we just kept connecting and, and, you know, you know, I said, I'd, I'd love for you to make, you know, books with us. And then after that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real global audience. There's, there's a ton of amazing creators from, from, uh, Canada. Um, and, uh, there's something in the water in South America where they're just like cranking out amazing art. Um, and I think the speaks to the power of technology of uh, a lot of us have not met in person. Um, actually me and Ray have never met in person. Um, you know, so most of this is being accomplished, you know, via, you know, uh, Google share drive and, you know, zoom meetings or whatever. Um, so it's, uh, uh, that's definitely taking the shackles off of, you know, our, our geographic reach. All right. Let's talk a bit about the titles because you have some pretty amazing titles. And Ray, I want to turn this over to you now because you are the creator. Of course, you are the writer illustrator of, uh, of the Tank McGregor series, which I just started reading, and I, I'm already like like totally hooked on this thing. I love like the art and the humor oh. of it too. Um, Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, I'm curious as to where this idea came from. Um, you know, 
it's funny because I don't recall there being like a point where I like, like I didn't like dream of it. And like, I woke up and like, this is what something that has to be happening. You know, like I've always had an interest in uh, science fiction and uh, uh, obviously the book is very uh, inspired by like action movies of the eighties and nineties and just like the solitary, like big muscular heroes uh, like the Schwarzeneggers and the Van Dams. So that's always been like in my head. Um, and I've always drawn, I've drawn since I was a little kid. I love drawing. I never really had made a comic before or anything that had to do with sequential art beyond the tiny things I made before I was 10, you know? Um, and uh, the inspiration for it, I mean, like, again, it, it just sort of came in parts. I wrote it initially as just an exercise in dialogue. It, it started out as a 15 page script uh, formatted like a movie script, but it had no actions. It was just 15 pages of dialogue. And it was just me like writing for, it was like five hours probably that day of just like trying to fit in as much quirkiness and like jokes and outlandish things that I was never gonna film. Or, or make in any way or form. And then I forgot about it. And about a year later, I rediscovered it. I'm like, oh, this is not bad. But obviously, I can't make this. And I'm not going to animate it, which I think it will work best as an animation. So I'm just going to start making it as a sequential art, as a comic. And um, then I started playing around with uh, designs for Tank McGregor. Uh, I had, when I was at work and when I had some downtime, I would just doodle. And I have, if you look at the back of the book, you see all those initial designs. And when I'm playing with the ideas of his helmet, his jacket, what kind of this, what kind of that, uh, I then I got really into the Hellboy series and I saw how Mike Mignola did comics and that just really inspired me to just go ahead and start it. And I just started drawing and I didn't stop. Well, that's not true. I did stop a couple of times only because, you know, it's my own insecurities. You do something and you're like, ah, this is not good enough. And you stop and then you bring it back a month later. Oh, this is not so bad. And you continue it. And other times I would get stuck on the story. Before I knew it, I had this uh, pretty lengthy graphic novel. And I thought, you know what, this could actually be something. So then I would start going back and I would redo some pages that I maybe didn't try as hard the first time and fill in some plot holes and decide this doesn't work well, this is going to be the arc. And I took it more seriously once I saw I had something tangible in my hands. And before I knew it, you know, two, two, three years later, I had a book. So there wasn't really like a moment of inspiration that started it. It was just sort of like this gradual thing that I just never thought I would finish. And one day it was finished. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Now, the story of this thing I really like. So Tank is this uh, really struggling intergalactic bounty hunter who... I don't think he's really good at his job, but he's not terrible at it either. Chasing down Whoa. a... Well, I, I, just my perspective, I'm, <laughs> yeah, only, yeah, I'm yeah. only on issue two. You know, I'm only on issue two. And I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> maybe maybe he, he uh, gets better as it, as it uh, goes along. <laughs> no, that's a fair assessment. He's not the great. He's not the best. Fair enough. All right. Who has to chase down a pleasure bot who has become self-aware. That's a really cool story, and there's and they say that there are no more new ideas. But damn, man, this is this is a very new idea. So oh. when it came uh, when it comes to just like crafting the story, do you really take a lot of time to say, oh, uh, okay, has this been done before? Do I have to make some changes to make it like stand out more? Yeah, hundred percent. If I know that it's been done before, I can't bring myself to do it. I just can't. Um, and um, it comes. It actually, I've thought about this, and I think it comes from like a childhood trauma. 
uh, when I was like in elementary school and I saw this joke on like Mad Magazine or whatever. And I thought no one's gonna know about this. Like no one reads Mad Magazine in my like circle of friends. No one's gonna know this joke. And I went to school and I like told the joke and I got a huge laugh. But one kid was like, you took that from this issue. And I'm like, oh damn. And like, it was kind of really embarrassing. And like, since then I was like, if I know about it, like, I can't, like, I can never bring myself to, like, take something from somewhere else and make it my own. Like, I just can't do that. Which is, like, you shouldn't do that. Like, it's not a personal thing of mine. Like, no one should do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, if I think it's been done before or if I've seen it before, I either don't do it or I try to change it just enough to where it becomes my own. Um, it's very hard when you've seen, like, every episode of Futurama. Because, <laughs> like, oh, okay, they did this, they did that. I can't do this, I can't do that. Uh, but yeah, I do try to make it as different to me as possible. And like, I don't, I, I can't say I've read a giant amount of graphic novels and giant amount of comics, but I do try to do something that I haven't seen done in them. Um, and one of the things that I hadn't personally seen done in a lot of comics was just straight up comedy and just straight up like gag after gag and just taking the piss out of everything. Um, that's what I wanted most of all is to just do like the 30 rock of, graphic novels, you know, just like a joke a minute kind of thing. And I don't know if I succeeded. I don't think I did, but, uh, but I got close. I feel. I liked it. The, uh, the, uh, the 30 rock of graphic novels. It's a great tagline. Let's use it more. There you go. There you go. Was it hard to be done with uh, this thing? No, I was, I was eager to be done with it because I already had, well, I already had ideas for the second one and I thought I'm the second one. Uh, I'm going to, do all these things different. And I now with the knowledge that I came in with this one, I'm going to do a better job of like formatting the way I do things. Um, when I started the first one, I was very naive to the whole uh, process of making comics. I mean, when I, I didn't color it myself, I, I delivered to a colorist. Whenever I would do some pages, I would deliver to this colorist, Michael Woods. Um, but I would deliver the pages with the text bubbles in it, like no layers, just straight up everything on there. And he would draw it, but then afterwards, once I had it, I had no room to like change it. I couldn't change word bubbles around or do anything with them. It was already the page was already finished. You know, the colors were there. Um, so I kind of like limited myself, or I shackled myself a lot in the way that I process things. Um, now everything's like nicely, neatly in layers, and I have a much better like uh, organization to to everything. So once I was like near the end game of, of book one. I was just ready to finish it. I didn't want to go back and restructure everything and fix everything because it was going to just take me another two years. I felt, you know, just the pace I was going. So I thought I'm going to leave this the way it happened and that's going to be it. And then I'm going to go to the next one and try to do things better. Nice. Nice. So with this thing done now, do you, are you working on a new project? Yeah. Um, so the Tank McGregor volume two is the one I've been working on for about a year and a half now. Um, it uh, doesn't continue the story of it. Uh, if you read book one, you'll see that that's a very, uh, as a beginning and middle and an end, you know, it's a very self-contained tale, but the characters do continue their arcs throughout it. And I definitely established some, some things and I pepper in some like clues uh, for the characters throughout book one that I explore more in book two and that I flesh out a little more, but the, the, the adventure itself per se is a completely different one. Okay. Is this uh, your first book? It is my first book. Yes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, thank you. (laughs) Uh, I mean, like I think Marcus told me several times how um, it, it was quite an undertaking and I never saw it as that again, because I had no, 
idea that I was going to finish it or do anything with it. Um, and I didn't know that I shouldn't have started with 121 pages. You know, I was just doing it until it, until the story came to its natural conclusion. This kind of those things where you like, you make the characters, you put them in a situation and you just kind of let them go at it. And it took them 120 pages to realize the story, you know? Um, but yeah, I didn't know that, uh, that it's recommended not to start off with a graphic novel. It's recommended to start off with like a five page mini comic or whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that's ambition really. It's naivety is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, there is that too, but Hey, you know, I mean, I mean like, this is like your story. You knew how long it had, it like had to be to be done. I think it's just, as long as it tells a story in a good way, that's what counts. No, you're right. I agree. Now, are you entirely uh, self-taught? I am entirely self-taught, yes, um, for better or worse. <laughs> I was actually having this conversation with uh, Nico, Nico Nikomuda, which is one of our artists, one of the artists at uh, LKC, and I was admiring, we were doing a stream, we were both drawing, and I was admiring the way uh, they draw hands and just poses, and I'm like, wow, you do really good hands, and they're like, well, I took classes, and I'm like that's what I lacked, you know, like I, everything I know from like drawing hands and like particular poses I get from reading Hellboy and I get from other people and I like borrow here and there and I try to Frankenstein it into my own style. And it's a huge struggle. Cause I always like, I, I feel like I can't draw hands. I can't draw cars. I struggle very much to draw women and the female pose is like this Everest of mine. Um, so I think if I had like art school and uh, um, some proper training, I would have been able to, do those things at the same time i do find some pride in the fact that i've just been drawing so long that people seem to like the style that i kind of fell into um i, I really have been drawing since i could pick up a pencil you know i just always always been drawing and then that led to my interest in stories and that led to my interest in film and then it just all circled back to my interest in graphic novels and that's why i made, I made a book now, you say yourself, Todd, I want to call bullshit on that one because this is really, really good. Just like looking at some of the initial panels, like self-taught, it's like, no, no, he's got to be lying or something because this is too good to be like self-taught. I mean, <laughs> oh, thank you, man. It's hey. a huge compliment. I don't know. I mean, like, like I said, I just, I just take from wherever I like uh, uh, and I try to imitate it and yeah, I mean, yeah. it just becomes its own thing. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, the art of Hellboy. Are there other like artists out there that you see as like your muses? Mobius. Oh, nice, nice. 100% Mobius. Uh, Jean Gerard, which if I butchered his name, I'm sorry, in my French. Um, but uh, yeah, like Mike Mignola was more about the, the simplicity of his art. Made me think like, I don't have to be a Todd McFarlane to like make a comic book, you know? You don't have to be like incredibly intricate and detailed and like have this incredible eye for art, like for her. Oh, you've seen Todd McFarlane, like his spawn drawings are incredible, you know, but you don't have to be that. Like Mike Mignola, I love his work because it's so beautiful in its simplicity and its intricacy with light and shadow. Um, on the opposite end, I have, I love Mobius because he has just these like giant landscapes of like very, detailed art but again the colors are not so crazy to where like someone who's starting out couldn't do it you know his desert landscapes are actually a huge inspiration for like the desert parts of uh in tank mcgregor there's a huge planet uh planet that's just a desert landscape and i was like oh be a little bit like mobius you know and i try to be like his style and 
his science, his tendencies for science fiction are something that I really uh, admired. And even before I knew who he was, I mean, like Fifth Element was one of my favorite movies growing up. And later I'm like, I, I realized that Fifth Element was just all his style, you know? Um, so it's just bled through osmosis. Fifth Element is definitely one of the best movies out there. Hands down. Oh, agreed. Definitely. Yes. All right. So what is going to be um, next for you? I mean, uh, you mentioned working on the second volume of Tank McGregor, but do you have like other titles in mind? Yeah, I have titles in mind and I have a uh, little five page one shots um, and little mini stories. Um, like I said, I had an interest in film and I still do obviously um, for the longest time. And I always wrote short stories and short scripts and feature scripts and when I realized that it was just going to be too difficult to make any of those, but I still have them, I thought, oh, some of these might actually be work if I adapt them to like the comic books uh, uh, format. So I do definitely have a lot of ideas, um, a lot of tiny little things. And um, Tank McGregor is my main squeeze right now. That's what I want to like sort of establish. And then once I like burn out a little bit on that, I'm going to go ahead and do something completely different. Exactly. Once you get to the point where like drawing this thing is like, oh God, this crap again. You know, it's time to kind of switch over and do something else. I am starting to run out, out, out of poses. For It's like, nope, did that one. Nope, did that one. Okay, <laughs> what can I do? All right, let's try and make it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the pose challenge. I think uh, I think that that's like a, a Marvel's like ongoing struggle. Well, yeah, it's like you want to draw him like doing something like cool, but like, why is he doing that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Does the human body do that? Actually, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, Mark, uh, back to you, man. I want to talk a bit more about the other titles. Now, you have, of course, a ton at LKC, um, and I've read most of them at this point. Um, uh, Good Night, which is a horror comic with a damn terrifying ending. Uh, Death Wish, I just read the first issue of that one. That's really cool. I know that that is uh, one of yours. You've got uh, the Digital Legends of Doom, World Eater, Roswell. I know some of you make these like in-house, but do others come from like outside creators? Yeah, um, so we have two types of books. We have um, what we call the lesser known universe. And uh, those started out, I don't know, I was reading a lot of like golden age stuff and I thought of like um, action comics and it had like, you know, you know, you know, Superman, that's where he was first introduced. And then obviously he had titular role, you know, in his own series at, after that. So <clears throat> we have lesser known comics, number one through seven that, introduce some characters and then they'll spin off into their own, you know, series. And then we'll, we'll probably keep those sequential lesser known comics, eight, nine, 10 and beyond to introduce, you know, events that will um, trickle out into the rest of those, those series. So I do most of the writing for that, but um, we use a lot of Marvel method for that. So death wish is probably like the, the best um, example of that right now. So one of our characters, we decided, okay, in one of her past lives, she was, you know, racing these demolition, you know, derby style race cars and stuff like that. And it was a really easy one to work with, with Kieran Quinn, because it was, um, he's the illustrator, because I don't need to write pages of what action is going to look like. The dude's a visual storyteller. You know, I kind of say, hey, here are the primary characters. Here's the setup, you know, before the race. And and here's how I want things to kind of end. 
Um, and then he gets to go totally bananas on, you know, all the detail of what the other racers are and, you know, um, and which is really fun for me as a writer, because I'll be like, Hey, who's this person you, you drew in the background? Like we got to make them an actual character, you know? And, and it was just him, you know, thought it was something funny or cool or just, you know, um, fun to draw. Uh, so, you know, those are the primary ones, um, that, that I'm writing, but I'm even giving over some of the writing to, um, outside writers, uh, just cause I've been so caught up on the business end. So, um, a guy who does, um, a podcast, Apollo city comics, uh, his name's, uh, Brandon Blockstorf. Uh, yeah, both Brandon's from that show are, are amazing humans. Um, but, uh, Brandon Blockstorf, he took on, he's doing, um, issue three of death wish. He's writing issue three. And that's been really rewarding because he took it in a direction that I hadn't anticipated, you know, and I was just like, you know, blown away with the writing. Um, and actually the other Brandon is, is taking on, um, uh, Brandon Moncada. He's taking on the writing of, uh, one of the lesser known, uh, comics. I think it's going to be number 14 or 15. What's nice is they can do the stuff that's way down the line. So there's not a lot of pressure you know, and then, um, you know, it makes it easier for me because it's like, you know, trying to manage the business end and plotting out, you know, uh, story arcs, you know, for a year from now is, is, is overwhelming. But then, yeah, just like, a, a, you know, before Ray came along, we were lucky, um, guy by the name Soren Yarger, he does um, uh, World Eater and Roswell, uh, Kayla Payne, she does the Hara. Um, and uh, Charlie Ragnarok, uh, she started out uh, doing illustrations for me, um, but then she showed me her book, uh, So I Worked at the Mall, uh, The Vampire Cult Story, and I was just like, dude, your writing is, you know, when it comes to, like, the delivery of humor, you know, like, her and Ray are just, like, you know, <laughs> um, doing, doing amazing things, so um, she still does illustrations for the stuff that I write, but she's, um, uh, the Kickstarter after the one we're currently on, um, will actually have, uh, the second, uh, so I worked at the mall book. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm excited, you know, like I said, and, you know, any, any time that a, a creator that comes along, that's, you know, willing to be patient with a new company, you know, um, interact with the team and, you know, be a team player and stuff like that, like, um, you know, they're, you know, more than welcome to, to put their books out with us. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a golden age of indie comics right now. So you don't have to go very far to find just the most talented. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the quality of what, you know, we've been able to, to put out, you know, cause I, you know, I, I feel like I have a role obviously as the publisher and I have an, you know, I think I have an eye for, for some of these things, but they're the ones that are doing all the, you know, the hard work. And, um, and the nice part too, is that, you know, bringing in such diverse styles, I don't think that we have somebody who is like, Oh, so-and-so is the, the top tier creator in this group. Right. You know, um, they all, speak very highly of each other and they all reach out to each other um and you know express admiration for you know maybe a certain um thing that they you know one does well that the other you know is is you know 
um, wishes they could do better themselves. Uh, so it, it's been really rewarding to see them kind of geek out together. And anytime you got a bunch of comic book creators like geeking out together and just like, you know, it, it's like our own little like clubhouse, you know, where we're just like kids again, making comic books and selling, <laughs> selling smut on the internet. <laughs> hey man, if it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> what if you're making, you're going to find the audience somewhere. You yeah. Know? You know, and, 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 you know, I, I, the, we don't, I think we attract a type of creator. Um, but there's certainly something here for everybody because, mm. you know, digital is a doom is an entirely different type of book than, you know, Tank McGregor, which is an entirely different book from Bahara. Um, so I, I, uh, but for some reason, you know, uh, I've heard this a few times where people say, Oh, that that act that looks like a lesser known comics book. I don't know exactly what they mean by that, but they're like these, these all like belong together. And I, I don't know, um, you know, what exactly has created that dynamic, but we certainly welcome it. Hey, you got yourself a style. That's not bad at all. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you talked earlier about like indie comics, and certainly I think we are seeing that boom going on, where you're seeing companies like uh, like yours opening up. You're seeing more platforms like uh, Webtoon. Uh, tapas, comicsology, but what's your what what's your take on it? What's uh, what are the like the opportunities for like the indie comic creator in twenty twenty two? I I see the indie comic scene the same way that I see what the indie music scene was like in the early two thousands, where um, once like what Napster and and all that stuff, you know, LimeWire and all that stuff started becoming a thing. Um, and then a bunch of other music sharing sites. Um, you had a bunch of creators that were just like, you know, I don't, I don't need, you know, to sell my soul to a record label and have to make five records that only have one good song on them, you know, because I have to keep one hit, you know, in the charts, you know, to, 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 to make this work. Um, so you're seeing that explosion on both ends, right? Where you have um, the barrier to entry, being dropped super low so now people who would never have their book published have the means to get their book you know using digital uh printing or something like that being able to do small print runs at a reasonable cost uh going straight to kickstarter um and then you have um exceptional artists and creators who they were working with a publisher and they were just like hey i have a project but it's special to me and i don't i don't want i want to own it completely um and, you know, what I look forward to is a day where, you know, us and maybe a handful of other publishers with a similar mindset can um, have a free exchange of what, you know, books are maybe published with us. So, you know, we work, you know, we work closely with other publishers and help them with Kickstarters or, you know, share resources and tips and things like that. And certainly if any of them I thought was a better fit for one of our books, you know, like I'd be like, Hey, you know, I think you should push this book out with that publisher because they're going to do, you know, a better job or, you know, they, they have the market share on, on the thing that you're making right now. Um, and that's, you know, that's my dream of a utopian future for, you know, the indie comic scene. And I, I don't, I don't think we're that far away from it. No, I don't actually. No, no, not at all. Because um, especially when I go to a lot of the uh, the comic cons around me, 
I'm seeing a lot of folks out there putting out like their first title or they started like a company, a small press, what have you. I'm definitely seeing, I think, more more like initiative out there. People are seeing like the opportunity and then saying, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to do this thing. Now I'm going to publish my comic and come hell or high water. It's going to get out there. Yeah. Um, and the, the scene has been just so overwhelmingly supportive. Um, you know, um, there's, there's always some discussions you hear there here and there about toxicity in the scene and stuff like that. But, um, you know, generally that hasn't been our, experience um i actually had a phone call last night um with a creator by the name of uh dan price uh he does uh bigfoot nose karate if you've never seen that book it's it's amazing um and um he's one of the ones that um he's not publishing with us you know the exchange of ideas and stuff like that is is, is so open there's no trade secrets and stuff like that and and that's the case with a bunch of other you know um uh, folks, Tardigrade Press, they're up in Canada. They're amazing people. We do that type of exchange as well. Uh, Sovereign Comics, um, uh, he's, uh, uh, Tier uh, uh, Jackson's out in, in Colorado. So that part's really encouraging, especially like one of two things will happen. You are clueless to how to solve a problem and you can access that network and be like, hey guys, um, I should know the answer to this. And at this point I'm too embarrassed to ask in public. So, you know, let me ask this like group of folks, um, or the other one where, um, you know, sometimes you just have a crap day, you know, um, making comics is hard and, um, there's setbacks and there's disappointments and things like that. And it's just, um, it really recharges your battery when you're able to just, you know, talk shop with another creator and like, yeah, I've been there. You know, I, I know exactly what you're going through. And, you know, this was, you know, my experience and, um, you know, you find a lot of community in that. What's been the hardest part about not only like starting LKC, but just like keeping it going and growing it. I think it's probably been uh, expectation management and then also learning um, one, how to start your own company, you know, how to, um, um, you know, manage your time and, and do those things. I, I experienced huge burnout, you know, like, you know, maybe a month ago where it was just like, you know, you can only wake up so early and you can only stay up so late. And then you end up being like agitated and not fun to be around. And then your wife starts giving you in the side eye. And then like, you know, that's, that's a bad, that's a bad place to be. Um, and, um, you know, also when it's your own business, you don't really have work hours, you know, every hour is a work hour and, you know, finding a time to say, I know I don't want to disappoint somebody. And I know we're not going to make a deadline if I put down, you know, my phone or close the computer or whatever, but that's, you know, that's just where we are, you know, and, um, you know, and, and I think, um, we built a team that's, you know, got a lot of, got a lot of empathy in, and I, I'm like, you know, hugely grateful to that, you know, um, because it's like, I feel like I'm like, and you imagine like talking all your friends into a road trip, Hey, you know, we're pile 14 people in the van and you get halfway through the Midwest. And then you're like, uh, I got to pull over and sleep for three days, you know? And they're like, what the fuck I'm out here and you know, God knows where. This is you told me to get in this van, you know, and uh, but luckily, you know, the, the 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 team is 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 amazingly patient and supportive. 
I can definitely relate to the burnout. Like it is so easy to just like work through the whole day and into the night. And before you know, it, it's like, oh, I've been working for like 16 hours straight. Well, I'll do it again tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, I, and I think, you know, I think some of the other parts too is, is um, having, having reasonable expectations for yourself and, um, you know, we, we have so access to so much data, right? So no matter how well you do, um, there's always somebody who's got more followers, their Kickstarter's doing better, you know, they're, um, you know, and you never know the backstory, you know, you don't know if one person is working on that or 10 people are working on it, you know, you don't know all the, all the reasons why something is a success or a failure. I'm always still astounded when people reach out to us and it's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a publishing company. Like, how how did how did you guys do it so successfully? And I'm like, dude, I I feel like this is like a dumpster fire, like on the sinking like Titanic ship. Sometimes, you know, like all I can tell you are the things that I would never do again, you know. Um, but um, but I'm sure there's probably somebody that I'm looking at where I'm just like, I want to be where you're at, and they probably feel the exact same way. Definitely, man. Definitely. All right. So we talked a bit about a Kickstarter. And of course, you guys have been doing these before. How do you kind of view the response, though, the fact that you set the goal and then you totally smashed it? You know, I think that's 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 a that's a tricky place, you know, to, um, uh, you know, where to set the goal, you know, because in, in many ways, the goal is almost like arbitrary. And I think the goal at this point is more about, you know, with every success of Kickstarter, um, it, you know, to just try and bring in, you know, um, a couple more, you know, a couple more uh, new viewers or a couple new readers. Um, and, you know, I talked to uh, a buddy of mine who's another one I reached out to for support. You know, he did a Kickstarter that did $63,000, right? You know, and I was like, Isaac, how, like, like, once again, how do I get, you know, and he was like, you're where you need to be right now. He's like, you know, here are the fundamentals. You keep doing that. You know, the next one will do a little bit better. The next one will do a little better. Some will feel like a setback, you know, but you can't really control for that. You know, um, uh, there's so many variables out there, um, you know, but I think, uh, you know, the biggest metric, you know, I, I, I want to lean on are uh are we making are we making new books and are more people reading them than than were before um and uh you know i think the other stuff is is helpful you know metrics but they're not as meaningful you know um and certainly you can go down some some bad paths if, if you pay attention too much to you know, uh, this many, you know, we have this many followers on social media or this particular campaign did X number of dollars more or less than the last. Agreed. Yeah. I, I got a, actually a buddy of mine who does uh, game design and he did a Kickstarter a while back and unfortunately it did not meet the goal. And so that I think was real blow to his just like self-confidence. Does that ever kind of like get into your head? Like, you know, is this thing actually going to become like a real big success story? I think I have two answers for that. So logically, when I think through it, you know, um, I think that um, I, I have a ton of confidence in our success in the three to five year term. And one of the things I'm you know, most worried about is just making sure that we get there in a way that we feel good about ourselves and we feel good about the relationships we have. Because, 
there's there's ways to get there where you can take shortcuts and you can you know burn bridges and things like that. But you know, uh, it's it you know is success worth it? You know, if you can't look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day. Um, but in terms of that self doubt and imposter syndrome, yeah, I mean, the 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 illogical voice in the back of my head that's like yelling at me every day, like, what are you doing? You're crazy. This is never going to work. And everyone's going to hate you and like, blah, blah. And like, they're going to burn you in effigy, you know, at, at comic Conners. you know, like, like that, that voice says some messed up things and it, it's hard to turn it off, you know? Um, but you know, a lot of people, you know, kind of, you know, struggle with that too. Ray, uh, you mentioned this earlier, so I, I did want to kind of ask you too, how do you sort of cope with the anxiety? You know, oh, I'm not good enough. This is never going to work. How do you sort of like move past that? Well, I, I find that I find that my uh, imposter syndrome is balanced out by my superiority complex. Um, <laughs> That's healthy, I think. <laughs> I think. It's, it's, a, it's a healthy balance of checks and balances that I keep to myself. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, I mean, like, it's like Mark says, I mean, that voice is always there, but you got to kind of like realize and be self-aware that it is just in your head. Um, I mean, I, before reaching out to Mark, I started my own Kickstarter for Tank McGregor and it didn't make its goal. Um, again, like it, I, yeah, for, for, for whatever reason I got told, um, you know, you didn't promoted enough beforehand, you didn't reach enough people, et cetera, et cetera. And it's true, I, mean, I didn't reach enough people, I tried my best, I did everything I knew how to do on my own to try to get, and it was just me basically and my wife helping me out and it didn't make it. And once it didn't make it, I was like, obviously it was a huge, like you said, it's a huge blow to my ego and uh, should I have been doing this? But like almost immediately I was like, no, fuck that, fuck them, fuck the world. I'm gonna do this anyway. And I just put my own money in it and I had made it happen. And, you know, I just kind of like in the high gear. And before I know it, I'm talking to Mark, you know, and now we're doing a Kickstarter round two for Tank McGregor. Um, and it already got funded. Like to me, it's like, wow, cool. That's uh, amazing. And um, basically all I needed was a bigger microphone, which is what Mark uh, provided me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I am a very anxious person and it is something I have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. So yeah, I don't know if I do. I don't know if I handle it well. One of the things that I, I try and remember, um, you know, I, 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 I um, you know, I still dabble in music, but you know, when I was younger, I was really into the music scene, you know, and and you know, played shows every weekend and everything like that. And um, you know, we were playing venues with you know two, three hundred, four hundred kids, you know, and. I should have enjoyed it more, but instead I was like this like big sourpuss about it, just being like, why aren't we, you know, playing, you know, a thousand person venue and why aren't we on, you know, and, and how come our new record isn't done this, that, and the other thing. And, and, um, trying to be more present and being like, you know, enjoying the stages that we're at right now. Um, because, um, you know, a lot of people's fondest memories are back before they, you know, had any money or had, you know, any, you know, those, those, you know, creature comforts that we, you know, talk about, right. I mean, you were like, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite summers was like couch surfing with, you know, some friends, you know, like when, you know, things were not great, you know, so, um, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely, uh, places to be grateful and, and to enjoy, you know, even, even during your setbacks. Well said. 
I'd like to ask you both, uh, what was your first comic that you ever owned? feel like it was this Iron Man comic that my mom brought home. My mom's a teacher. Um, and she brought it home one day because it was like in her library or one of her kids. She conf- confiscated it from one of the kids or whatever. And this was way before the MCU or Iron Man even became a movie. I knew of Iron Man because he had appeared like in Spider-Man episode. Um, so I knew of Iron Man. And I didn't really much care for him. And the episode was very weird. It had to do with like, I mean, the, the sorry, the, uh, the issue was very weird. It had to do with like suicide. And it was one of the like the heavier episodes. And it was like already started. So, and it wasn't like finished. So it was like, there's just one issue that I would just keep reading over and over and not really understand what was happening in it. But I was really liking the the uh, the drawings. The first one that I just genuinely purposefully went out and bought was uh, A Dame to Kill For by Frank Miller. Ooh, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mark, your turn. Mine was, uh, it's funny that you said Iron Man because mine was a, uh, was a war machine ash can. Oh, nice. Um, and I, I wish I held on to it too, because uh, that was, you know, um, like, you know, uh, us old farts, right? So, like, remember when comics were in the grocery store and you could, like, you know, bug your, your mom at checkout, right? Like, oh, please, 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 please. And, um, yeah, that, you know, um, so, you know, it was War Machine. I remember um, there was a, there was a, there was a uh, splash page at the end where he's kind of, standing looking at all these villains and there was a bunch of the x-men villains in there and um x-men was always my jam that's the that's the one that i i i like zeroed in on right you know right after and um i'm i'm still you know to this day you know obsessed with you know anything uh uh, x-men i haven't gotten to much of the new stuff because i've been spending so much time catching up on uh, I had the revelation, you know, you know, recently that I was like, oh, I can afford comics now. Like, you know, as a kid, like, like totally something out of reach. So I, I'm, I've literally found a website that put every single X-Men related release in chronological timeline order. So like I'm, I'm in the 1950s right now working my way uh, through. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. For me, it was, and I actually still have this comic. It was Avengers West Coast, and this was back in like the 90s, I think. I found this in an old antique store in my hometown, and it was them taking on um, uh, Magneto. And uh, this was like really like old school, like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were still with like the Brotherhood of uh, Evil Mutants. Was in no way like a pivotal storyline, but that was my first comic. I read it like a billion times over. And Mark, I was that kid in uh, in other grocery store by the racks, just reading everything they had every single week. I was just gonna say, I wish they still had that. You know, we we've kind of broken the comic market, and and that's why we're not attracting new readers. Yeah, you know. Well, one thing I would like to see is them to bring them back, but to also, along with, you know, like on the Marvel, the DC and all like the big titles, include like some like indie comics too. Yeah, there's some, there's some places like uh, where comics are making some headway, uh, whether it's uh, skate shops, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, bong shops, (laughs) you know, and, 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 uh, you know, places like that. Um, And I, I did a drive to visit our printer our printers comics wellspring um they're out in michigan i live in dc i was originally from california but i live in dc so i was like i'm gonna drive meet our printer in person 
and I'm going to stop at every comic book shop, like kind of on the way we visited 32 comic book shops on that road trip. Uh, and you know, a lot of people have that, that idea of like, you know, the comic book shop, that's like windowless dark room with the stacks and like, you know, just like the cranky old guy behind the counter. And those are still out there, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot more, uh, places where, um, um, like, especially in the great lakes region, um, where, you know, it's, it's a coffee shop or a craft beer and they got comics, you know, and they got, you know, uh, tabletop games and the upstairs and it's a whole like, you know, wonderland of, of nerd culture. It's, 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 it's really cool. And, and surprising the amount of stores that weren't struggling, even like, you know, these were COVID times, you know, like that were telling me, oh, we actually just took the lease um, for the building next door because we have to expand, you know, it's, it's, you know, things are, are going great for us. And, you know, Comics Wellspring, um, they are actually a subsidiary of a bigger printing company. Um, they're small, they're like family owned, but they credit indie comics for getting them through the pandemic, you know, cause businesses weren't, people weren't printing business cards and things for conventions and things like that. And they were like, all these indie comics orders keep coming in you know so uh you know i i think um you know i think that's been really really cool to see oh definitely yeah there's actually a comic shop down the street from my apartment that opened in july of 2020 i was there on like on like the first day dropped like a hundred bucks and i was there like week after week after week just buying like more and like more stuff and you know, I'm like, I'm not sure how well the guy's doing in general, but I imagine he had a really good first year because kids just, there was nothing else to do. You couldn't go anywhere. Nothing was open. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go, buy, go like buy comics. So, yeah, I mean, the stores, I think, did really well because there's just that, like, lack of any, anything else. Yeah. I, comic book stores, you know, I've, I've said this a few times. It's... um most retail places you go into, right? And if you have like an obscure question or or something, right? Um, the level of expertise in those retail spaces is typically like pretty minimal, right? There's no like old dude, you know, in the back where they're like, oh, we'll ask Chuck, you know, he's been here for 70 years and he knows everything. Like that only exists, I, you know, in rare places and comic book shops are one of those, right? Where it's pretty hard to stump a comic book shop owner, you know, with a, with an obscure question, because if they don't know it, they're going to call this shop, you know, down the street or, or, you know, in the other part of the city. And, and, um, and I think that's, that's, that's really cool and really unique. And, and it's one of the retail places that a owner's recommendation is carries so much weight, right? Like, you know, you always feel like this grimy ulterior motive when like a person tells you, Oh, you got to try this new thing. Right. But like in comic shop, if your comic book shop owner is like, Hey, did you get the new issue of, you know, uh, then you're like, Oh, it's gotta be good. Cause this, this person doesn't, you know, mince words typically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The shop uh, near me, they do a lot of really cool indie stuff. And that's like, that's like the first place I go at. I enjoy Marvel. I enjoy uh, DC. But yeah, like the indie rack is like the first thing I check out because I want to see what else is out there. So, want to ask about um, LKC's plans for 2022 and also next year? I imagine you have a lot of like new releases lined up, but do you think you'll also be making some appearances at Comic Cons? 
Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, we did uh, L.A. Comic Con, which was a um, which was a, a, a big hit for us. We have a lot of creators that are in the L.A., you know, Southern California area. So one, it was really cool to get like six of us that had never really met before, you know, in one place. Um, and then one of the advantages of having such a big team is that um, we were we were the busiest booth in, in the artist alley because we could have somebody on the table and somebody standing in front of the table and, you know, being like, Hey, you know, you want to, you know, free bookmark or this, that, and like, you know, pulling people in. Um, we were also featuring digital lizards of doom at the time, which is a, you know, really strong title. When it comes to like right now, we, we're not doing as many cons as we want because, you know, we've been focusing on uh, growing our Kickstarter game. Um, but certainly, um, you know, we want, we want to be doing more conventions, uh, greater Austin, uh, comic con, which is in July, right? Right. Yeah. Drag me out. I believe it's in July. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to drag me out to Austin, the hottest month of the year. Uh, (laughs) It's just 105 degrees. I was, I was actually talking to somebody today about Texas and he was his first time there. And he said, is this where the sun lives like when <laughs> when it goes away from everywhere else it just stays here you know <laughs> not to divert your topic too far but uh having grown up like in texas or like in the border with texas and mexico i uh like 99 degrees and all that is like pretty normal i prefer the heat but like nothing's ever going to compare to this one time that i got off the plane in qatar and that was like i had never felt anything like that in my life which just like the heat was like oh i'm like whoa this is where the sun rests <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right and uh new releases um what do you have in the works uh we actually have our batches planned through um february of next year um so uh we're deciding whether it's going to be on a, a seven or eight week schedule um where the kickstarter runs for essentially four weeks and then we got three weeks of downtime to you know, um, fulfill all the orders and then get the the next one launched. So it's, it's pretty ambitious, you know, to, to, uh, but, uh, the good news is that most of the, uh, most of the books are done or like in pre-pub, you know, where, uh, maybe they're just getting edits or, um, they're with our graphic designer and just getting, you know, those final things worked out. So, um, uh, we have through we're at we've released up to LKC number seven. We have through LKC thirteen done. We have an anthology collection of that one as well that has like these cool tarot card covers. Um, we're kind of in that universe pulling in the magic. We actually have like a tarot card deck that's being developed by a a guy who has a PhD in the history and practice of witchcraft and. Um, really interesting dude he actually induces a hallucinated like a psychedelic trance before he actually does the art so it's not just like one of a kind one of a kind but like he not only can the art not be created again but that trance like um and then yeah our creator our creator own series um digital lizards of doom book four is um well on its way uh like um uh ray said he's he's pretty far into tank mcgregor too um and uh the next issue of the hara uh is uh completed and then a few other titles that are out of that lesser known comics um like universe where um 
So Death Wish issue number two is is all penciled and partially inked, so it's pretty close. Um, uh, and then um, one of the spinoff series is called uh, Kaijo, uh, Kaijo City. It's uh, samurais versus witches in 1980s Japan. Um, so that one is all inked and mostly colored. Um, so it's just a matter of um, booking them into each of the batches. So we have through batch nine, which would be the first one of um, uh, 2023. Uh, so we have after batch four, we, have, we got, um, if my math doesn't mistake me, four, you know, four more batches <laughs> before the end of the year. Um, so that's, that's, that's the plan right now. That's a great plan. I love that plan. Well, Mark and Ray, thank you both so much for joining me. I've loved talking about this thing. Folks, if you don't know, now you know. You go to lesserknowncomics.com. You'll find everything you need there. Follow their socials. You know, Like them, comment them, check out the comics. You can check them out, some of them for free, but you should definitely buy them too. You should definitely buy them and go to your local comic shop. If you don't have something, tell them to order it and get yourself some Lesser Known Comics. Guys, uh, before we go, though... Um, your own socials, chuck them out there so folks know where to find you and check out your works. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, lesserknowncomics.com, right there on the uh, on the front page, there's a uh, the direct link to the Batch 4 Kickstarter that features uh, Tank McGregor, Death Wish, and Goodnight. Um, we got a lot of stuff on globalcomics.com that's for free. Um, uh, we try and give as much of the digital stuff away for free as possible. And then... Um, yeah, on on Instagram at social or at uh, at lesser known comics. Um, same thing. Facebook is uh, lesser known comics, and Twitter is lesser K comics. Uh, we did the best we could on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find uh, me mainly surfing around in Instagram. Uh, I post most of my Tank McGregor stuff on at Tank McGregor Comic. That's uh, mainly where I'm, where you can find me right now. And uh, on Facebook, uh, Tank McGregor. And uh, yeah, those are my two main ones. Excellent, excellent. Well, guys, I'm loving the comics, and I definitely cannot wait to read whatever uh, comes next. So thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. This is Angelina Singer, author of the Upper World series, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout, the best podcast for independent artists. Okay, everyone, that brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Mark and Ray for joining me, and definitely check out Lesser Known Comics. No matter your genre of choice, you are going to find something you like there. I guarantee it. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get to me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check out the show wherever you find podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. As always, keep those ears open.